0: This is our our third week of our parenting class. We have three more weeks uh, after this as well, and so uh, uh, we'll be about halfway done once we finish uh, today. And uh, two weeks ago, we started by just laying some foundations of biblical parenting, being reminded of of the big picture, how parenting is one part of what God is doing. It's not the only thing that God is doing. It's not uh, an end in itself but it fits with the larger picture of God redeeming a people for himself, for his glory, and so our role as parents is, is chiefly to be uh, an instrument of that in the life of our children, as God has called us to, and it's also to learn and grow through the parenting process ourselves to become more like Christ, and, and uh, hopefully, even in the last couple of weeks, you have seen um, growth in yourself, and and been encouraged through what the Lord is doing in your life as you seek to parent and, and perhaps even seen some fruit in the life of your kids, although the goal is to be faithful and, and to trust that ultimately the Lord's gonna, uh, gonna work according to His plan. And then last week we started to look at what it is that God has called us to as parents, how we seek to be instruments in the life of our kids. And, and we looked at Ephesians 6 verse 4, which says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so as we are seeking to nurture, to bring up our children, to, uh, to help them to, to thrive and grow, God has essentially given us two tools in our toolbox. The first is discipline or training, and the second is instruction. And so last week we started thinking about discipline, the first of those, and we uh, will continue that today. And then uh, next week we'll, we'll focus on uh, On instruction and we said that really that idea of discipline you know what comes to our mind usually is my child did something bad and I am going to discipline them and that's true and that's part of what the Bible says that corrective discipline that we uh, we are responsible for but it's also bigger than that it's it's the whole idea of training of, of in a structured way providing guidance and restraint for our children and, uh, and we saw that uh, that takes an, a number of forms and we'll continue to flesh that out today. So we wanna think about both corrective discipline and, and more formative training as we, uh, as we go. And there's some handouts on your um, your table, if you were not here last week, the first half of that handout has kind of been filled in for you with the blanks. If you were here last week, we're gonna keep going through what we started last week. If you have yours from, uh, from then, you can certainly uh, follow along and uh, continue to pick, up, uh, to pick up there. And so, uh, just by way of review, last week we started by saying that our discipline must be shaped by the nature of our children. We have to think about what is true of our kids and that's gonna shape how we seek to correct them and why we seek to correct them and how we seek to train them. And, and the first thing that we said was they are made in the image of God. How does that affect our discipline? Respect. Yeah, we, respect, we have a respect for them as people. We're gonna treat them in a way that, that is, is honoring to them and caring for them that protects us from abusive discipline in, in that way. We saw also that they, are, they will exist for all of eternity, either in, in heaven or hell. How does that affect our discipline? Yeah, we wanna be consistent because it's not just about, hey, can I you know, have a, a home environment that kinda of works for me today? It's about eternity and how can I help to direct their hearts in those ways? And we saw they are, they are sinners. Proverbs 22:15 says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Anybody see that reflected this week? Testify to the truth of that? Yeah, that's, it's, it's, that's what is uh, the reality for our kids and it says the rod of discipline will remove it far from them. Proverbs 23, 13, and 14 says, Do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you strike him with the rod, he will not die. You shall strike him with the rod and rescue his soul from Sheol. Our our kids need discipline because on their own, they will pursue a path of foolishness. That is their bent. And that path of foolishness leads ultimately to destruction, both in this life and the life to come. And and so discipline is a rescue mission, because we are, we are eager to draw you back, to keep you from running down that road. And then we said last week that our discipline must be shaped not only by the nature of our kids, but by God's discipline of his children. And so we looked at a, a couple of passages, Hebrews chapter 12, which refers to discipline on, on uh, multiple occasions as God's pattern for discipline. And we looked at Yeah, Deuteronomy 8 as really an example of God's discipline for the people of Israel. Uh, The principles laid out in Hebrews 12 and a picture laid out for us in Deuteronomy 8. And we just considered some of of the uh, characteristics of, of God's discipline. We saw God's relationship to his children that that undergirds his discipline, that he's a loving father for us and, and he is also the authority and both of those are true for us. We are to be a loving uh, parent, our kids are to know that we care for them, that we provide for them, but we are also to be that rightful authority and we saw that uh, who it is that, that is disciplined by God, is it just some kids? <laughs> Is it kids that God's mad at? <laughs> kids that he's particularly frustrated? No, it's, it's every child whom he loves. He disciplines every one of his children. And so we can often say, well, I love my child too much to discipline them. And that's not true. If we love them, we will discipline them. And so God disciplines his children. And we saw why God disciplines his sons. And it's for their good and, and the mature, their maturity as preparation for the future. God has a long-term vision for his children. He's not just thinking about what is going on in their life today, he's preparing them. He's preparing Israel for life in the promised land to enjoy all that God had promised them. He's preparing us for an eternity with him and seeking to cause us to grow, to be uh, obedient and holy and like his son. We saw some of the specific goals of God's discipline that, that his children would obey him and that they would be like him. And, and we saw the means of his discipline. He used a variety of things, teaching and instructing, which overlaps with that idea of training and, and rules and consequences and, re, and rewards. So much of his dealings with Israel was if you do this, this is the good that will follow. If you don't do this, these are the consequences that will follow. He used circumstances to shape and develop and test their character. I was thinking about that when uh, uh, you know with Randy Stewart and, and his son Brett. You know, he's he's in circumstances that will, will test his character. Uh, and they're having fun doing that most of the time probably, but putting them in unique situations that give an opportunity to grow and to appreciate things. I was joking with earlier that they might appreciate her cooking. Brett may appreciate mom's provision of breakfast in a way that he hasn't before because of going through a circumstance where he was having to catch and prepare his own. And uh, we saw God train through provision and through withholding as well. And we saw just some of the characteristics of his discipline. He's patient and, and yet he's consistent and intentional and we wanna be those things as well. I want you to, to think just for a second as we think of God's discipline and, and how he has a long-term vision that he is seeking to instill in his children certain characteristics and preparation for that. I want you to think for a second about what you are preparing your kids for. You know, discipline is not fun. <laughs> in the moment, nobody, well, maybe not nobody, very few people, I would say, wake up in the morning and say, woohoo, I get to discipline my kids today. It's gonna be a good day. Maybe that's you every now and then, but probably not. Most of us, it's much more like, oh, this is, this is what I'm going to do out of obedience to the Lord, but it is not like what I would choose to do if I had my, my first choice today. And, and so much of what drives us to discipline is that long-term vision, an eternal vision of what we're trying to, to prepare our children for, to, to see the Lord, but also just a long-term life vision of here's where they're going and here's the characteristics we wanna see in them so that they can live in a mature, God-honoring way. Somebody share, what are, what are some things you're preparing your kids for that are in the future for them? have younger, younger kiddos who are primarily with you. Eventually, they're gonna be under authority of others and even in some ways. Right now, you are the mediator, if you will. God, parent, kid. I'm telling you very specifically sometimes what it looks like to live in an appropriate way right now. You treat somebody this way, I'm right there to tell you, nope, uh, try again. You know, whatever it is, if, uh, you know, but someday, you're out of that picture. And it's just you and the Lord, and I'm trying to prepare you for, for that in that way. Good. What else? Yeah. 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 You think your your son or daughter may one day be a husband or wife? Is that a little sobering to think about? Some you think no way, <laughs> never gonna happen. Uh, no, it 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 likely will happen. Yeah, we're preparing them to be a husband or a wife, you know, to be a, a uh, if, if, if it's a boy, to be a, a sacrificial, loving leader in their home, uh, uh, a wife to, to love her husband, to be eager to help and, and to come alongside and in those ways. Maybe they'll even have kids one day. Isn't that fun to think about? Grandkids for you and they get to deal with what you get to deal with now. Some of them you think, ah, I hope the Lord gives you a child just like you so that you get to enjoy that process of sanctification as I have gotten to enjoy that process of sanctification. But yeah, they're, they're, gonna, they're gonna be in those roles. You ever think about that? I mean, again, we, sh- we shouldn't live in the future. Uh, we gotta live in the present. But to have that long-term vision that says, man, we are seeking to prepare our kids for these things. And then to think about what are the, the specific goals for them in light of this? What is it that we want to see that's so important for them to, to have instilled in them so that they can be what God would intend for them to be? Again, in this life and, and for eternity, if they're going to be uh, sitting under a, a teacher, they need to be able to... To follow instructions and to do what they are, are told. If they're going to be uh, an independent person who is uh, living obediently to the Lord, they can't just do what we tell them to do. They need to have some self discipline that we'll talk more about. If they're going to be a, a husband or a wife or a, a mother or a father, to have some uh, character, the character that is involved with that, but also maybe even some of the skills that we would long to see in those things. And then to think about how can you train and discipline them towards that end. Now, does that all have to happen today? No, Uh, it's a long process. But if we don't think about how are we on that road, we're we're gonna struggle to to make progress to that end. And so that's really what we see with the Lord. He has a vision of this is where I want my kids to go. I want them to be holy. I want them to be obedient. Uh, In the case of Israel, I'm going to give them a, a great land. I want them to be content though and thankful for that. And so how do I prepare them for that? How do I get them ready for that? How do I train them for that? Not just correcting them when they're wrong, but building those things into their life now so that they can thrive and flourish in that way I do think it's encouraging that God disciplined his children and did they always do exactly what he wanted them to do now so even God as a father with Israel he said this is all the stuff I'm I'm doing trying to prepare you for this and many of them did not receive that instruction and so uh, it, it, that's not an encouragement to say I hope our kids don't receive our instruction but that even for the Lord, there's a, there's a responsibility of our kids to, to receive that, but that's our role, to be thinking carefully and intentionally, modeling our discipline after the Lord. And then last week, we also spent some time thinking about the fact that our discipline must be shaped by the warnings and exhortations of scripture. We looked at a number of verses that speak to the fact that we should not neglect discipline when our children are young. Proverbs 19:18, discipline your son while there is hope and, and uh, train up a child in the way that he should go. Uh, we need to be faithful when our kids are, are young and really when they're in our home that we would be taking advantage of the opportunities that God has given us to be faithful in those ways. We saw scripture warns us not to discipline in a way that provokes our children to anger, that we are to be careful to, to not provoke them by how we discipline either with harshness or inconsistency by abusing our authority and and just making it selfishly about us by uh, constantly nagging them or humiliating them to be so careful with that. And then where we left off and where we'll pick up today is recognizing that the rod is the primary means that God has given you to discipline your children. Look at the book of Proverbs with me. Proverbs. I want you to see these some of these verses, Proverbs twenty nine fifteen, says this, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. And then if you jump down to verse 17 as well, it says, correct your son and he will give you comfort. He will also delight your soul. He says, we are to be, using the rod and reproof, using correction to give wisdom. When we, uh, when we don't do that, when we let our children just run their own way, the result is, is shame to us. The result is, is that they are not all that God would intend for them to be. Proverbs, flip over to chapter 26, verse three says, a whip is for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the back of fools. Flip over a few more chapters 23:13 says do not hold back discipline from the child although you strike him with the rod he will not die you shall strike him with the rod and rescue his soul from sheol and verse 10 says or proverbs 10:13 says a rod is for the back of him who lacks understanding and and then look at thirteen twenty-four, Proverbs thirteen twenty-four. One of the clearest says, "Whoever spares the rod hates his son." As we said, God disciplines those whom He loves. If we fail to discipline, we are not loving our children; we are hating them. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Is is diligent? Is hardworking? in seeking to discipline their their child. And and in all of these we see the the picture that God uses for discipline, even Proverbs 22, 15, the one that we uh, read earlier, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, the rod of discipline will remove it far from him. The the, the picture that is used is of a a rod of discipline, a physical discipline for children. Now this is not um, what is Uh, often characterized as this. This is not somebody uh, going off on their child and wailing on them in a a physically abusive way. I think Ted Tripp gives us a great definition that we closed with last week. He says, the rod is a parent in faith toward God and faithfulness toward his or her children, undertaking the responsibility of careful, timely, measured and controlled use of physical punishment to underscore the importance of obeying God, thus rescuing the child from continuing in his foolishness until death. He says this is a, uh, is a, a controlled, timely, measured use of physical punishment. That's what we mean when we, when we speak of this. Now this is, this is uh, uh, an area in our culture today that there are many who would say, oh, don't do that, you know, don't use the rod of discipline. Some would say that simply because uh, the you know the the common um, response. I, I love them too much to do that to them. And and Proverbs says no. If if you love your child, you'll be willing to discipline them. Some think that you know it, it just it doesn't work. We've tried and and it hasn't uh, produced the change. Well, again, the the goal is not immediate change. In, in every situation, the goal is long-term faithfulness. And it may be that we're not being consistent with it and uh, or not being effective in how we do this some think that you know if, if i spank my child if i use physical discipline i'm teaching them to hit well if if we're disciplining them in a way that is like hitting then yes we're teaching them to hit but what we're talking about is not the same thing as you know what is going on in a uh it, when when a child hits another, if if we saw our one of our girls try to administer physical discipline to their sister out of frustration, and they said, "Hey, let's go to the bathroom together, and you know, let's talk for a second, and then I'm gonna, you know, give you one." Sw-. That's not what our kids do when they get mad at each other. They just haul off and smack each other, right? I mean, that's not what we're talking about. We ought not be modeling that. It's possible that yes. By physical discipline, we are teaching our kids to hit, but that means we're doing it improperly. We're not doing it in the way that God would intend. And, and some think, well, it's just never the, never the right time. But why, why should we do this? Why is this God's, uh, I, I think, primary means of discipline for parents, uh, particularly of, of younger children? You know, there's a sense in which we do this by faith. God says this. And so we believe God, God knows what's best, and we are eager to obey Him and trust Him. But I I do think there's also a sense in which physical discipline provides some benefits that are clear as opposed to other disciplines, at least in in my mind and as I've seen that played out in the life of our our family. You know, if if you don't use physical discipline with children, what are other options? What are other ways? Talking to them? What else? Okay, taking away privileges, timeout. Time and again, this is a, I'm not saying, and we'll talk more about this in a second, that there's not a place for many or all of these other forms of discipline. Um, but with many of those other forms of discipline, think of like timeout or withholding privileges, particularly with younger children. Uh, have you ever found yourself in a situation where your discipline requires them to obey in order to to fulfill the discipline. So if you tell your child, your punishment is, go to your room, what is required of that? (laughs) Obedience, well, maybe they're not obeying you in the first place, and you told them to do something else, and now your discipline is, well, you need to go to your room for 10 minutes or you need to sit on that chair for 10 minutes. And what happens when four minutes in, they come walking by smiling at you? Well, hey, now, now you're really in trouble. You gotta sit there for 20 minutes. Well, I just showed you that I won't sit there for 10, so what makes you think I'm gonna last 20? And so we're not able to fulfill the discipline sometimes because we're disciplining in ways that require some means of obedience. Some other forms of discipline oftentimes can also drag it out for a long time. <laughs> You know, it's like, sit there for five minutes. Well, you got up after three, now you're at 10, now you're at 20, and before you know it, it's like, the next six hours, you should be sitting there. And and that's just a long period of time. You know, even uh, even things like, um, you know, like grounding for extended period of times as your kids get older, it's like, man, for the next two weeks, you can't do this. We. And we often threaten things that then we're like, oh man, did I really say that? Now I gotta do it because otherwise I'm not being consistent and so be careful what you threaten. But um, if it, over two weeks, what's likely to happen? Well, yeah, they got no clue why, they're just mad at you. It, it can foster bitterness. You know, I just don't get to do something. And I don't even remember why. And my mom doesn't even remember why. It's just like, we're mad at each other because we can't, I can't do this. And sometimes you're punishing yourself more than them. You can't watch TV for the next month. It's like, man, what I really need to do is, what I do is put a little nice movie on and let you watch that so I can be sane. But no, I just took that away from you. And now, now I'm the one who is suffering more than you. And so a, a lot of times other things we would seek to do in disciplining our, our children drag out the time which can lead to bitterness. They can make it difficult to have a restored relationship quickly. They can require obedience. Sometimes they don't necessarily affect our children. You tell some kids, go sit on your bed. It's like, sweet, I don't have to do anything productive. This is beautiful. I'm happy to sit on my bed all day daydreaming as long as you want me to or whatever. So. I think physical discipline, part of the wisdom of God is that it is quick, it is, it is done in a, a brief period of time which gives the opportunity for clear resolution and reconciliation in a way that doesn't drag out, in a way that you you do it and you're done and you can be restored and move forward together and it is, it is something that is uh, is painful for all children. Now, not all respond as in the same manner to it. So does that mean that we can ever use other forms of discipline? No, God is creative. God came up with all kinds of ideas for disciplining Israel. And it is right for us, particularly as our kids age, to use a variety of, of forms of discipline as well. And sometimes, especially as our kids get older, we, we may be in a place as I am, where I'm not comfortable physically disciplining older daughters. Uh, I I wanna be very careful in that way and treat them with respect as they are growing into young ladies. And and so that may limit what I do in terms of physical discipline, but also just the nature of our kids. You know, if you have a, a rebellious teen who is constantly slamming the door and hiding out in their bedroom, you know, physical discipline may not be an appropriate response. Maybe taking their door off the hinges would be a better response. So that there's going to be a consequence that, that is related to the issue and that helps them to see the issue of what is going on. You know, but I would say when it comes to other forms of discipline, as I mentioned, think through it before you threaten it. <laughs> don't fly off the cuff and say, if you don't, whatever, I'm going to whatever, until you've stopped long enough to say, is that actually a reasonable and appropriate form of discipline? The more you can have thought through those things ahead of time, and the more you can have communicated those things ahead of time, the more you are going to help your child and not provoke them to anger. If it depends on how mad I am, how severe the discipline is, or how much your sin affects me, how severe the discipline is, we're provoking our kids to anger. But if we've communicated that, hey, these are the rules, these are the consequences, and so you ought not be surprised, you still will be, your kids will be, they'll be like, what, no? It's like, we've only told you this like 14 times in the last three days, and yet you're still like, oh, really, you're gonna do that? To My life is over. Um, you know, that, but that's part of, of what we have to be so careful of. So. With physical discipline, when should we use the rod? When should we physically discipline our kids? Again, particularly when they are our younger, preschool age, elementary age. And I think the the pattern in scripture that we see is that discipline is a result of clear disobedience from our, our children. When they fail to obey us. Now, young children, can they keep a list of 47 house rules in their mind? Eh, maybe, but that's probably not. And so the chief issue that God has told kids is what? <laughs> Children, obey your parents. Your authority and my authority is, is present in the home to be able to train them to do all kinds of things. So they may be hitting their sibling and my authority and God's instruction to them obey your parents lets me train them when I say stop. And they stop and they're learning oh don't do that. Or when they're sitting there staring at a plate full of peas and I'm training them to be thankful and eat, although I hate peas and so I probably would be gracious to them. Um, But when I say eat your peas and they say no, I'm not disciplining them because they don't eat peas. I'm disciplining them because they did not obey what I had commanded them to do. And so it is chiefly about obedience. And with young kids, that means sometimes you are telling them what to do time and time and time again as you are seeking to train them. Don't do that, don't do that, do this. And if they are responding in with obedience when you are telling them what to do, you take that as I am training them how to respond. But when they fail to obey, when they fail to do what you've asked them to do, they need to understand there are consequences for disobedience. Now, it's very easy for us to get in the habit of of doing other things before we discipline, like raising our voice, you know, so eat your peas. I said, eat your peas, and or to go uh, you know, uh, um, to to repeat ourselves time and time again, or to try to manipulate our children. You know, I'm going to count to three, and if there is not a pee in your mouth, then <laughs> you're going to be in trouble. You know, and wait a minute. You know, what we're training our kids then is that obedience is not about first time that mom says something, I do this. It's about here's how far I can go in disobedience before there's a threat of consequences. And so we need to train our children to obey we need to use discipline when our children refuse to obey what we have asked them to do Um, again that's not to say we can't help and train our younger children so if you have a, a one and a half year old who is walking over to the tv and they're putting their sticky hands on the tv and you're like ah and you say come here and they, they kind of look at you, and you walk over and you take their hand. No, we're not gonna touch the TV, come away. That's training them to obey, and that can be a part of things that we do with younger kids. We have to you know, be reasonable with what they're, what they're able to do, but when they do not obey, we are to discipline them. Well, when should I not use the rod of discipline? Well, Obviously, if they're obeying, you don't use it. When else? When in, as it relates to you and your heart, should you not use the rod of discipline? Yeah, when you're angry, right? Far better for them to have gotten away with disobedience than for you to have disciplined them when you are angry. Now, if that is always the case and you never discipline them because you're always angry, that means you gotta deal with your own heart and you've gotta work through those things yourself so that you can discipline them Faithfully and effectively, but do not discipline when you are angry, even when it would otherwise be appropriate. What else? In public? Yeah, in public. When you're angry in public. Absolutely, especially when you're angry in public. <laughs> yeah, I think we should not discipline when it's instances of of childishness or or accident. Sometimes it's hard to tell, but kids are kids, and so. Sometimes there are things that kids do that frustrate us that are kids being kids, not kids being disobedient. And so, being careful to say, is this an issue of disobedience or is this an issue of, of childishness? When you didn't see what happened. Okay, maybe when you didn't see what happened and you're, you're uh, assuming things you know, that, and you typically probably assume the worst if you're like most people, You know, that you did that on purpose. You know, something is broken and the assumption is, you know, you went over there with your baseball bat and smashed it, and maybe that wasn't what took place. So being careful in those ways. Yeah, so maybe you can only tell them one thing at a time. We do, we have children, probably all our children. You know, when it's like, if, if we say, you know, I'll say something like, you know you need to put your clothes away and then go upstairs and brush your teeth and then do this and this and this, and my wife looks at me, and she's like, "You know they're maybe going to get the first thing, but they probably forgot that by the time you give them the whole list. It's like, oh yeah so so is that an issue of obedience or is it an issue of you know forgetfulness? are they paying attention i mean there's there's different things that can can go in there yeah, so we have to be um, to to be clear in our mind that what has gone on is disobedience from our children. Again, as they get older, then can they start to understand certain rules and expectations? And that is disobedience, even though you did not specifically tell them that at that time? Absolutely. So as they age, you know, if, if we have, uh, uh, we, we have um, kids who uh, or a daughter who likes to go get food on her own, whatever, she's hungry. And so we have told her often enough that that's not okay. And she is old enough to know that that is stealing because it's not mine and I am taking it whenever I want to. So it's not that every time we see her coming out of the pantry with something in her hand that we say, no, put that back. And if she doesn't put it back, that we would discipline her. It's no, she's old enough to know better at that point. And so that is an act of disobedience. But if it's a a one-year-old who's doing that, who hasn't put all the pieces together? That hey, this is uh, you know this is not okay. I'm going to discipline or I'm going to remind them and tell them uh, you need to obey and put that down. And if they do, then we're going to continue to move forward. So, how, how, what does this look like? Let me give you just a suggested model. And I say suggested, yeah, absolutely. And and I think the um, every child is going to be, um, and various circumstances will be different, um, and. I, I don't think that your child has to always be, you know, at the place of uh, uh, of wisdom saying, I am excited for this discipline and ready when you are um, in order for us to discipline. At the same time, um, there, we, we had uh, at a, and th- these are the things that keep us humble as parents sorting through, trying to sort through. We had one child who um, every time we would physically discipline her, she would get angry. Um, and she may have been angry before, but that would particularly make her more angry. And my, my initial reaction was, you know, if you get angry, I'm going to spank you again very soon after that. <laughs> and and my, my wife, Christy, helped uh, as we were working through that and talking together about that, helped me to see that discipline doesn't mean that like every 30 seconds you get another spanking because you're continuing to respond foolishly. I can do things to try to help you to have the, the, uh, a re- more receptive heart. Uh, and it doesn't mean I neglect what you're doing. So with that child, it took a whole lot longer because I may discipline her, she may get mad at me. I may end up holding her for Um, you know, 10 or 15 minutes singing to her, praying with her, um, rocking with her to where she settles down and we have another conversation about what's going on and um, possibly, you know, more discipline from that, possibly some other consequence that is related to that. So it's not a, um, it's, but I, I think when most of the time what happens in the situation you're describing, at least for me, was if they're throwing a fit, I'm getting angry and I'm viewing this as a battle that I'm gonna win. And then I shouldn't be disciplining them because of my own heart more than theirs. I need to remain calm. But that doesn't mean I wouldn't take a child who was struggling against that and discipline them in, uh, even though they're not ready to receive that. Um, and one thing that practically um, you know, we did when our kids were younger was if the the discipline was more significant if they receive or if they did not receive the the discipline and so if i could calmly tell my child who is fighting against me who is maybe um, telling me no don't do this and i could say if if you submit to the discipline that you're going to receive you will get one swat or two swats but if you continue to fight against me you will not only get the swats for your disobedience but you will, in whatever the act was, but you will get an additional swat for, um, for responding in this way um, because that's not acceptable. Um, but I'm not gonna wait for them to, to respond rightly or else I'll probably never never be able to discipline them. Does that make sense? I, it, but it's, it's uh, yeah, we're always, <laughs> as parents, you know, humble and asking the Lord, give us wisdom, help us see our own heart, help us to know how to respond in, in this way. Um, so if, if we're, our, our child is disobeyed, and again, I know there's a wide range of ages of your kids and, and different kids in the room, but as a general rule, we, we need to have an instrument that we're gonna use. Um, I, I think the advantage of using something other than simply our hand is what would you say? Why using your hand hurts. Kay. Practical, yeah. And if you have, if you're um, using an instrument of some sort, it, it gives you that extra measure of self-control because you can't grab that child and on the you know flip of a switch when you're angry, you know, grab them and swat them. You you've at least got to go and get whatever it is that you're going to use, um, something that you are wanting. In, in an instrument is something that stings real bad, but doesn't cause lasting harm. Uh, you don't wanna hurt your child in the sense of you know bruising them. You don't want them limping around, remembering how much they need to obey. You want it to sting for a moment, and then you want them to be, to be okay. And so something that is going to do that without hurting them is key. And, and uh, I would encourage you, whatever you're gonna use, do it to yourself first in the same, as, as hard as you would ever do it to your child, hit your leg with it, and you, will, you need to recognize this is what this is going to do to my child, and this is an appropriate thing to do. Sometimes we've, uh, when, when our kids were particularly young, they have that little plastic rubbery fish tank tubing. Uh, you can make a little loop with that, and, and uh, slap with that, and, and it stings pretty good. Um, we've used those little ball things you know that you little plastic paddle with a little ball thing that you hit Uh, i don't think my kids would ever want one of those for christmas because you know you take those off and a little plastic paddle that can work uh work pretty well Uh, obviously the age of your child and the the uh, size of your child may um, dictate that but something that is has some flexibility to it uh is is important so you're not hurting them and and again that that instrument uh, is, is something that builds in a little bit of self-discipline and self-control uh, so that I'm going to go and, uh, and get that. But picking a location as well. Again, we, we wanna treat our kids with respect. So as somebody mentioned, we're not gonna uh, discipline them in public. The goal is not humiliating them. The goal is not we're in the middle of the living room and everybody's watching us discipline you in this way. And so choosing a location that is private, that is gonna give the opportunity for you to interact with your child in a way that is helpful and uh, probably putting your instrument, your tool, whatever that is in that location so that you will take them there and you will have what you need in that way. Once you take your child and you have your instrument in that location, you know, you're, you wanna point out the clear issue of disobedience. If you can't point out a clear issue of disobedience, should you be disciplining your child? No, if it's just, I'm, I'm mad. <laughs> you made a big mess <laughs> and I'm upset with you. And so I'm gonna discipline, well, okay. So getting in the habit of always being able to point out, here's what you had been asked to do and here's what you did not do. Here's how you failed in that and point out the consequences. You need to be able to say, here's what the consequences are. You are going to get three swats. You are gonna get whatever the consequences are. Why is that important that you tell them ahead of time what discipline they're going to receive? Well, sh- yeah, it shows that you are under control. It's not I'm gonna keep Hitting you until you cry sufficiently for me to think that you have learned the lesson. No, it's this is what is going to happen and I am in control, I love you, I am not doing this because I want to uh, um, want to hurt you, but this is a, a measured amount of discipline that fits with what it is that's going on. And then you administer that um, uh, that. Discipline. Uh, ideally, again, you are waiting for them to be willing to uh, to receive that discipline. As I mentioned, you know, you are asking that child uh, to bend over or whatever it is, so that uh, that you can uh, can administer that. You may be uh, working through verses like Proverbs 15:5, "A fool rejects his father's discipline, but he regards reproof as sensible," or um, or Proverbs 15:10. A uh, grievous punishment is for him who forsakes the way, but, and he who hates reproof will die. And so you are training your kids that this is why we are disciplining you, and this is the benefit that is coming to you, and so you need to be willing to receive this in that way. I think it's also can be very helpful as your kids age, instead of just telling them why they're there, to ask them why they're there. Do you know why you need discipline? And if your child says, yeah, I got no clue, Okay, um, well, let's talk about this. But hopefully they're at a point where they recognize what they did and they can begin to express to you I, I not obey mommy. You, yeah, that's right, what did mom ask you to do? That whatever it is and, and you're trying to help them see that so it's not just hey, they gotta live through this minute and move on, you want them to be processing and thinking about what it is that's going on. Um, and uh, then I, I would get in the habit with him of, uh, I would memorize Proverbs 15.5 and Proverbs 15.10, um, so that in the midst of those moments, you can be training him and reminding him that son, a, a wise son is going to accept, accept discipline uh, and, and that's what we desire for you. And I would get in the habit of telling him, you know, you're gonna get two spankings because you did not obey. And then I would tell him again, you're gonna, you will get an additional spanking if you do not accept the discipline. And it may be that for the next three years of his life, he always gets an extra spanking or two because he's not responding to discipline. Um, but you, you need to keep disciplining him. And so you can't just totally wait for him, but you wanna be training him in that way. And so part of what you're wanting to train him in is you need to accept discipline. You need to accept um, the, this because that's what what is what is wise in those ways? Yeah. Let, hold that thought, and we'll we'll get there in a second. Um, so you you administer the discipline. Um, you know, if it's a a toddler with a diaper, they got this beautiful fat part of the leg that is a, an ideal place for that. Um, you know, if you're using the right instrument, you likely will not need to spank on on bare skin. But uh, again, your goal is to uh, inflict pain, not injury. Um, Proverbs 20:30 says stripes that wound scour away evil and strokes reach the innermost parts and and so it's going to sting it should should be painful but not uh, uh, injure them uh, and then you're you're going to converse with them again this will look different when they're young um, you're going to going to talk with them again some of this may happen on the front end as you're talking about the clear issue of disobedience um, but you want to converse with them and and help them to uh, understand what's going on using scripture may be really simple, I, I want you to learn to obey because God tells you to, to obey and um, uh, memorize scripture is really helpful. We'll talk a little more about this when we get to instruction because if you're in that situation with your kids and you're like, you know, I know there's a verse about this somewhere, let me go find my Bible and we'll, we'll look that up together. It's probably not gonna happen, but if you've got it on the tip of your tongue like one of those Proverbs 15 verses, you know, I need this verse all the time, Uh, this is one I'm gonna come back to in those ways. Um, Engage with them, Uh, we'll we'll talk a little more about this as well in a moment, but this is a great opportunity for the gospel. Is you disciplining your child, you as the one who is always perfect, telling your child that they continue to struggle over and over again? No, it's you as a sinner who needs grace, who needs Christ, helping your child to see that they too are a sinner who needs grace and who needs Christ, and that there are consequences for sin in, uh, in those ways. Reminding them of, of their heart and yet of the hope of Christ. Um, pray with them, again that may be very brief with younger children. Father, help us to obey, help us to trust you that you are right and thank you for Jesus offers us forgiveness from sin. Um, Have them go and make it right or obey when possible. Again, that doesn't always mean um, that I'm gonna put my child back in the exact same situation. You don't have to win in the sense of how we often think of it, but there are times where you want them to go and and, uh, interact with a sibling or you want them to go and and do what it is. You know, There's still peas waiting for you. (laughs) Let's go have dinner. Um, and so it, it, again, there, there are children and times where they're, ne- they're not gonna obey and you don't need to make it a two week long battle uh, every time uh, in those situations. The discipline itself is what shows them they are wrong. And, and there's a, a conclusion there. We can talk more about that in a bit. And then seek to be reconciled in your relationship. Hug them, love them. You're walking out restored. That's the beauty of this discipline is I'm not gonna hold this against you. I'm not gonna treat you as though you are some a failure in my eye. No, we're walking out. This is done, and we are moving forward. Again, as as your kids age, um, this there there may be other forms of discipline involved, but this same uh, process and same components are helpful. Uh, you know, to talk with them about the consequences, to help them to see what's going on in their heart, to converse with them, to pray with them, uh, as you are um, are. Shaping them through, uh, through training in those ways. Um, let's continue on, we'll, we'll take some questions here in just a second. A, a fourth principle that I think helps us as we think even about this is that there, your discipline must be shaped by the age and condition of your children. You know, our goal as parents is ultimately that our kids will transition from parental discipline to self-discipline. And so the long-term plan and vision is, as we said earlier, you've got God who right now has given parents as the chief, um, you know, the, the, the chief demonstration of his authority in their life and then kids. But eventually, you're gonna be out of that picture and the goal is that they are, are seeking to, uh, to have self-discipline such that they're motivated to obey the Lord. And so what happens over the course of time with your kids, and, and Ted Tripp highlights this in his book, Shepherding a Child's Heart, is your authority gradually decreases and your influence gradually, hopefully, is increasing. Now by authority, that doesn't mean your right to tell them what to do. As long as your child is in your home, you have a right from God to, to instruct and to expect certain things of them. When I, I, currently my oldest child is 15 and when I tell her no you need to not do this, it's not that I have a lessened authority or cannot expect her to do that, but my ability to, re, to make her do things does change. And so when you have a child who is very little and you say, don't do that, you can physically pick them up and you can keep them from doing that. When you have a 15 year old and you say, don't do that, that's going to be a whole different ball game, right? And so your ability to enforce those things to some extent lessens over time uh, just by the nature of, of how parenting works and the nature of your kids. And so there are times where you are, you are lessening your particular immediate control over your children, and you are allowing them to, to grow in their own um, own self-discipline and to suffer the consequences of the things that they have, have chosen in those ways, all the while hoping that your influence is growing as you're conversing with them, that they are learning to say, hey, I appreciate mom and dad's wisdom in, in these ways, um, As you, as you age. And so there are times where the consequences for, um, you know, as your kids get older, the consequences of their decisions become less about my adding consequences to you. And they become more about you are reaping what you are sowing in the course of, of your Um, of your life and so the child who is not faithful the teenager who is not faithful to do what I'd ask them to do in terms of uh, taking care of their laundry finds themselves with very little to wear well hmm, sorry for you we're not buying new clothes you can wash the ones that you have Uh, you know the child who has procrastinated on their school project in spite of us encouraging and helping that, gets to stand up and present something at school that is less than they would desire in that moment, but they did not have the discipline to get it done better than that. And so, sorry, that's the reality. And so those consequences are less about our authority and us heaping additional consequences on them, although there are times where that's appropriate, and more about you are reaping what you're sowing and we are trying to influence you and help you and remind you and, and be a part of training you, but this is the reality that you, are, that you are facing. At the same time, does that mean we say, hey, have fun, do whatever you want when our kids are 13, 14, 15? No, we still say, yes, you can do this. No, you can't do this. Uh, we are still an authority in those, in those ways. Again, is that perfect and clear and neat and tidy for all of us where we can sit here and say, oh yeah, that's gonna be a breeze. No, it's always wrestling with. You know, as your kids get older, do I, do I tell them no or do I let them do what they want? I think this is a bad idea. I think you, you have um, you know too much going on to go and do something with your friend tonight. And so there are times where the answer is, no, you're not doing it. There's times where, here's what I think, <laughs> I think if you do this, this is gonna be the consequence tomorrow and the next day and you're not gonna get to do X, Y, and Z, but you can make that decision. So over time, we're equipping them to make more of their own decisions to hopefully live under the authority of God themselves, seeking to make decisions that honor Him. Um, We tend to start that too early though. We tend to think, hey, my two-year-old or three-year-old needs to learn how to make decisions. (laughs) No, they don't. (laughs) They need to learn to obey you. At some point, your child will need to decide what they're gonna have for breakfast. When they're in college and they get up in the morning and they go down to their little buffet place or and they say, this is awesome. I can have Fruit Loops every single day. This is glorious and they're gonna have to make decisions. But that time is not when they are four. When they are four, they need to know that mom and dad are making good decisions for me in those ways. So don't think I have to influence my two-year-old to do what I want them to do no you are the authority you tell them what to do you model good decision making for them and then over time you give them opportunity to make make those decisions it's very easy as parents to start off trying to influence our kids I just want to convince you to do what's right and then Later on, we try to ramp up our authority because we see, well, ah, this isn't working so well. And that, is, that leads to, to great clashes and conflict. So we want to start with authority. You do what I say, because God's told you to. And then gradually lessen to have more influence, although it's a pendulum sometimes where it's like you've got to rein them back in. <laughs> Whoa, we've given you too much freedom. And never mind, this is how it's going to be in those ways. So there are different life stages where this, where discipline is gonna look differently. You know, with, with uh, infants and, and toddlers, it's really just teaching them to obey. When I say something, you respond and you do it. When, when you are under my authority and I'm training you in that way, equa- helping them to know what it means when mom and dad say no. And maybe with a little, uh, a, Little, you know, physical discipline at that point is not a full spanking for a young child. It's just a, you know, a little, little slap on the hand to help them to equate no with something that gets their attention, not in a, in a hard way. You know, toddlers, training them to obey the first time, seeking to help them practice obedience and to learn what it is that, uh, that, um, uh, that obedience means and how God has called us to obey beginning to spank in a more formal sense for clear, direct disobedience. Most of you, if you have young children, you say that would take all day. Yes, yes it will. Often, faithful parent, uh, Stuart Scott writes, often the parent must sacrifice time, energy, and personal desires to obey the Lord and discipline the little one while there is hope. You will feel like, if you are a parent of younger children, you will feel like all you do is discipline your children. It's not entirely true. It's not all you do. It's just all you think you do because of how consuming that is for you. And yet it is worth it. And you still want to love your kids and enjoy your kids. And that's why you be, you be uh, restored to them after that discipline. And, and you give them positive things that you want them to do. And, and uh, yet there will be lots of discipline in those early years. And, and the goal is that that will bear fruit. Um, toddlers, one thing that that comes up, they, they throw fits and tantrums sometimes. You, know, you ask them to do something and they, they fling themselves on the ground, wailing and you know, throwing a, a, a tantrum. How do you respond? Look at Proverbs 26, 4. Proverbs 26, 4 and 5. Listen to this verse. It says, Do not answer a fool according to his folly or you will also be like him. So if you read that verse and you sought to make application to a child throwing a tantrum, you might say, well, don't lay on the floor and throw a tantrum next to them, um, which is true, don't do that. Um, but you might also say, well, I'm not gonna really get into it with them. I'm going to just let them do their thing and I'm gonna ignore them and, and uh, when they settle down, we'll engage with them in that way. Um, but then you read verse five and it says, answer a fool as his folly deserves that he will not be wise in his own eyes. So this is not speaking specifically of tantrums and toddlers, but it's a broader principle that there are times where someone is so foolish that they don't even deserve engaging with them. (laughs) Like, it's like, don't answer them. Just, you know, it's it's not possible. But then there's times where they're foolish and he says, engage with them and keep them from thinking that way and keep them from going down that road. Um, So I don't think and, and this is the, the joy of parenting and being humbled, is trying to say, Lord, okay, what is right here? With this child, with this circumstance, what is the right way for me to respond? I think there are sometimes you may have a toddler who throws a tantrum who is very much aware that this is an act of disobedience and you tell them to stop and they know they should stop and they are perfectly capable of stopping and they're not doing it just to spite you. But there may be times where your child, you know, the best thing I can do for this child is to let them lay there for 30 seconds and them realize that uh, you're not the center of the world here and when you stop, we will engage and we'll talk and and that's what I'm gonna do in those ways. I I don't think there's a, um, there's a, a, clear you always have to respond in, in this way in those situations because our kids are different and, and the attitude underlying those things are, are different. But I do think um, striving for consistency with, with specific children is, is helpful. Um, so older, older preschool elementary kids continue to expect disobedience, using your authority to train them in other things. So instead of just saying, hey, You need to obey me, that's the only thing that matters. No, you need to obey me because I am telling you things that are training you in larger uh, issues of life. So you now uh, have some acceptance of my authority, so I can tell you, do not talk to your sister that way. And I can train you in how to respond in a social relationship. I can train you in the skills and the other things that are necessary using the authority that God has, has given me in that way. Um, teenagers discipline becomes um, oftentimes the consequences of their poor sinful decisions. Uh, and so while it's okay to be gracious and helpful, we don't wanna insulate our teenagers from all the consequences of life that come. So many parents we can be tempted to say, oh, I don't wanna see them go through this, it's hard. Well, it's the result of what they've done. And that's how God's gonna get their attention is through, through those things. It doesn't mean we don't add consequences, that we don't take away privileges, that we don't um, engage uh, with them in those ways. And, and then lastly, your discipline must be shaped by the gospel, and we're gonna, we're gonna spend a lot more time on this with the, when we come to instruction, but you know, discipline is vital for your children understanding the gospel. Why is that, will, and we're almost done. What will your kids not understand about the gospel if they are never disciplined? Yeah. Yeah, they will never understand their own sin if no one ever tells them, "Hey, that's that's wrong before the Lord." God says to do this, and you haven't. Is that is that as painful as it is to tell your kids you don't measure up? that's the truth. It's not that they don't measure up to our standards and our expectations. We love them just the way they are. But they do not measure up to God's standard. They must understand their sin and discipline gives them an understanding of authority and of sin and the fact that sin has consequences. Ted Tripp said this, the central focus of child rearing is to bring children to a sober assessment of themselves as sinners. The focal point of your discipline and correction must be your children seeing their utter inability to do the things that God requires unless they know the help and strength of God. Discipline leads to the cross of Christ where sinful people are forgiven. When when that child says, I know I'm supposed to obey you, but it's so hard, I just can't. and you don't say to them, well, try harder, come on. You say, I know. You're right, you can't. You can't obey. You can't love your brother as you love yourself. You you can't do that because you are a sinner. Your only hope is God. Your only hope is Christ. You need to humble yourself before him, cry out to him. It helps them to understand the gospel, it's also vital to your children experiencing the gospel. It's an opportunity for them to experience grace. Grace does not deny that sin matters and must be dealt with, but it, all, it, it says that you are loved and accepted in spite of your sin, even though I'm not content to leave you in it. So when you discipline your child because they have disobeyed you and you take them and talk to them and you give them a spanking and then you walk out from there and you're having dinner and you offer them a cookie after dinner and tell them how much you love them, you are modeling grace for them. Or when you discipline your child and you walk out of that room and you say, hey, you wanna go kick a soccer ball around or, or as they're older, and you are modeling grace for them. You are saying, hey, sin matters, it has consequences, But you are loved and accepted in spite of your sin, even though I'm not content to leave you in that. One book, The Gospel-Centered Family, says, Grace doesn't mean no discipline. Instead, it changes the way we discipline. We combine discipline with love and acceptance. We discipline our children and point to the forgiveness won at the cross. And thirdly, discipline is vital to your children embracing the gospel. What is bound up in the heart of your child? foolishness, left to themselves, they will spurn the authority of God. They will not submit to his authority. Discipline is a means God has given for us to shape our children's heart, to see them ultimately humble themselves before the Lord. Now you may be sitting here today and say, man, we haven't really done this. This hasn't been what discipline has looked like in our home and and I would just encourage you that um, that God is is gracious and eager to extend the same grace to you that you want to extend to your kids, and that you want uh, them to know from Him. You need to repent and and ask God's forgiveness if you haven't been doing all that God's called you to as a parent, as all of us have. We need to recognize those things and repent. We need to ask for our kids' forgiveness. Before you just go home and totally trans- transform or change something significant about how you discipline, tell your kids. You know, tell them, I- I'm sorry that I have not been faithful in this way. Too often discipline for us has been out of, out of anger and that's not right and, and I'm sorry for that and that's wrong of daddy in that way. Explain to them what they can expect and why moving forward and then seek to consistently do that. Help them to know this is how this is supposed to work and this is what we're striving for. May mean that you're a little more patient in reminding them of some things for a little while because this isn't how you have trained them thus far. Uh, But that's what, what I would encourage that you would not just say, hey, we haven't done this and it's too late, but you would say, hey, we wanna grow in some of these things. We wanna be more like what God's discipline is, more consistent, more faithful, Help us to do that Lord and and help us to communicate that well to our kids. Let me pray for us and uh, uh, I'll be around for a little bit if you have questions and want to talk more about some of the specifics of this. Let's pray, Father thank you for this time. Thank you for your kindness to us as parents in giving us many opportunities to grow ourselves and to, to practice these things. We pray for wisdom, help us to be faithful in training and shepherding our kids. Help them to respond, to get to the point where they embrace discipline, not because it's fun, but because they really desire to be what you've called them to be. They really desire to grow and be trained to maturity. And help that to be our attitude, to respond to your discipline by embracing it and seeking to grow. And uh, Just pray that you give us wisdom at, at the various stages and ages of kids that we have. We love you and thank you in Christ's name, amen.